Welcome to Sunday School. Again, another Lord's Day. Let's open with a word of prayer. Our great God in heaven, come to you this day, to your house this day, Lord, um, on your day, to be fed by you, to be nourished by you, to be strengthened by your word and your spirit. Father, we hold fast to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we ask that you would teach us this hour by your word and spirit, lead us into all truth, and uh, keep us in your way, prepare our hearts to, to worship you this whole day, uh, together with your saints. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we'll be picking up. Question 17 in the larger catechism. But first we'll do as we've been and review. We're going to review questions 11 through 16. And we'll say those together. Question 11. How doth it appear that the Son and the Holy Ghost are God equal with the Father? The scriptures manifest that the Son and the Holy Ghost are God equal with the Father, ascribing unto them such names, attributes, works, and worship as are proper to God only. Question 12. What are the decrees of God? God's decrees are the wise, free, and holy acts of the counsel of his will, whereby from all eternity... He hath for his own glory, unchangeably foreordained whatsoever comes to pass in time, especially concerning angels and men. Question 13. What hath God especially decreed concerning angels and men? God, by an eternal and immutable decree, out of his mere love, for the praise of his glorious grace, to be manifested in due time, hath elected some angels to glory, and in Christ hath chosen some men to eternal life, and the means thereof, and also according to his sovereign power, and the unsearchable counsel of his own will, whereby he extendeth or withholdeth favor as he pleaseth, hath passed by and foreordained the rest to dishonor and wrath, to be for their sin inflicted, to the praise of the glory of his justice. Question 14. How doth God execute his decrees? God executeth his decrees in the works of creation and providence, according to his infallible foreknowledge and the free and immutable counsel of his will. 15. What is the work of creation? The work of creation is that wherein God did in the beginning by the word of his power, make of nothing the world and all things therein for himself within the space of six days and all very good. Question 16. How did God create angels? God created all the angels' spirits, immortal, holy, excelling in knowledge, mighty in power, to execute his commandments and to praise his name, yet subject to change. And that brings us to our question and answer for today, question 17. We say it together. 
How did God create man? After God had made all other creatures, he created man, male and female, formed the body of the man of the dust of the ground, and the woman of the rib of the man, endued them with living, reasonable, and immortal souls, made them after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, having the law of God written in their hearts, and power to fulfill it, and dominion over the creatures, yet subject to call. Right. So, we see off the bat here in this question and answer, after God had made all other creatures, after God created man as the pinnacle of his creation, right? the crown. Much of the remaining answers to this catechism question will unfold why man is the pinnacle of creation. The first text of Genesis 1, 26-27. You should have all these laid out in your handout. We'll do as, do as we've been. Someone have Genesis 1, 26-27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. Again, man is the pinnacle. He's the crown. And God created man, male and female. That's it. Male and female. Now let's face it, we live in a society, right? That may try to tell us otherwise, which intends to indoctrinate us contrary to the Word of God. Who are we to listen to? God and His Word. God and His Word. That's right. Male and female, He created them. But what did God use to form the man? Dust. Dust. Thank you. Oh, it's for the children. Sorry. <laughs> Genesis 2, 7. Read it. I got it. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. That's right. That's right. Man is the crown of God's creation. Yes, but is it not true that we have a tendency to elevate ourselves too highly sometimes? Maybe we start to think that God owes us something. Maybe we become like Job began listening to his friends and saying, yeah, I'm pretty good. You know, maybe I am doing everything right. Why are these things happening to me? Our God, through the scripture here and right from the beginning of the Bible, reminds us that we are but dust. Right? So we have two things to hold in balance. We're the crown of creation, and yet we're dust. It's right to value human life. But it's equally right to say with David in Psalm 8, what is man? Right. 
who are we that you are mindful of us? And we all will, unless the Lord Jesus returns in our lifetime, right? Return to dust. We will die. Psalm 90, verse 10. All right. James 4, verse 14. Can you get that one, Matthew? You got that one? Keep going to the next one. of our life, 70, 80. Right. Uh, we are missed, a mist in, in comparison to eternity. This is a drop in the bucket, right? Our life here. So may each of us be able to hold that balance again by saying, what am I but dust, a mist, a vapor? And yet, on the other hand, be able to say, God has set his affection on me. By calling me, even calling me his beloved, his bride. After God had made all other creatures, he made man, male and female, formed the body of the man from the dust of the ground. And the woman, from where, children? Anyone? Yeah, there you go. All right. Genesis 2.21. Somebody have that one. I'll get it. in this way intentionally. Now, we could say several things here. Um, I'm sure we've all heard a variety of answers, reasons. And I think we do have to be careful because we can slip into speculation on this issue. But remember, we always interpret Scripture with Scripture. We look for the more clear passages 
to help us with the less clear. We do want to ask, why did God create Eve in this way? He could have made her from the dust, like Adam. What's going on here? What's going on? One thing we saw in Genesis 2.18 was that it was not good that man should be alone. Therefore, we have a principle. Woman completes the man. Right? Woman complements the man. She's a helper for him. Man needs her. Now, let's turn to a somewhat con- controversial text. Uh, So 1 Corinthians 11, 7 through 12. We're not going to deal with the controversial part here. Rather, the clear principles that are laid out. I'll read this one. For a man ought not to cover his head. Here's the why. Since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Again, ladies, see, man needs you. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as a woman was made from man, the rib, of Adam. So man is now born of woman. Right? Everyone here was born of a woman. All things are from God. Woman was made from man from the rib of Adam. And all men since are born of woman. So we said man and woman are connected in this way. Something else to be observed here and can be implied from Eve being formed out of the rib of Adam is that man is the head of woman. Now, in speaking of headship, let's remember that headship is good. Good. First of all, male headship is good because the Bible teaches it. We just read it. At children, there's an example. Who did God ask first? about eating the fruit. The forbidden fruit. Adam. Adam. That's right. Man is responsible for woman. Headship implies responsibility. Younger boys, listen up. This is why we fathers try to teach you to care for and protect your sisters, your mother, etc. Man is the head of woman. He's responsible for her. Woman needs him. Like we said, man needs woman. Woman needs man. These gender roles that God established in creation are good and right. 
Let's not allow the world to tell us otherwise via its woke shows, movies, sports, etc. The world does not have the truth because they don't have Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. Children, embrace who God made you. You're male or female. Embrace your role. Young boys, strive to be strong, godly men who will provide for and protect your future wife and family. I talked about this in my home this week, so it went well together. <clears throat> Young girls, strive to be godly women who will learn to help her husband and family. Keeping her home, raising children, if the Lord wills, and encouraging her husband. Can't tell you how much we need that as men. Encouragement from our wives. Singles, look for younger men and women to mentor. To strive for godliness together with. Within your male or female role. Let's all serve the church body within it. With our gifts, let's be sure also that single or widowed women are cared for and protected. Headship is a good thing. It's a good thing. These are glorious God-given roles that we have. So let's embrace them. Continuing on, he created man, male and female, formed the body of the man of the dust of the ground, and the woman of the rib of man, and do them with living, reasonable, and immortal souls. So here we're looking at living, reasonable, and immortal souls. Genesis 2.7, again. I'll read that one. Somebody get Job 35. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The man became a living creature. Living. Job 35, 10 and 11. More than beasts of the earth, wiser than the birds of the heavens. Our God created man as reasonable, as a reasonable and rational being. Right? We are not like animals who act off of instinct. We do not come from or evolve from lower life forms. We said this last week. Again, we see evidence of man being different. Wonderfully different. Right? We were fearfully and wonderfully made with living, reasonable, and immortal souls. Ecclesiastes 12.7 Go for it. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. The spirit returns to God. Our soul lives forever. Some more text. Matthew 10.28 and Luke 23.43 
soul and body forever. Soul forever. Uh, Luke 23, 43. I got it. Hmm? When he said to him, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Who's he talking to there? It's Jesus speaking to thief on the cross next to him, right? Where was the thief's body? What state was the thief's body going to be in that day? Dead. But he says, today you will be with me in paradise. His soul, our souls, live forever. God endued man with living, reasonable, and immortal souls. He made them after his own image. Continuing in our answer here. In knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. Genesis 1.27 So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Man was made in the image of God to reflect God's character and to reflect those attributes of God that are communicable, which we discussed in previous lessons. Anyone remember some communicable attributes? Attributes that God can pass to us, that we reflect of God. Wisdom. Okay. You're good. Thank you. God is wise. He has given us, as we said, rational minds to think and be wise. Love. Love. God loves. We love. We reflect his character in these ways. So we could go on mercy, holiness, right? Not those incommunicable attributes, omnipotence, omnipresence. We are not those things. Those cannot be in us. But being made in the image of God is a big deal. Genesis 9.6. Somebody get that one? That's right. For is the reason God made man in, in his own image. Therefore, death penalty. God made man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, having the law of God written in their hearts. The next phrase here. Knowledge, righteousness, and holiness describe what it is can be made in God's image. He said wisdom, that's a communicable attribute. Knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. Man was made with a moral capacity to know truth, to know God, to walk in righteousness, in the ways of God's law, and to be holy as God is holy. 
Ecclesiastes 7.29. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. So we're going to get to that second part in a second, but... God made man upright. Adam knew the law of God as opposed to the animals and the rest of the creation. Again, a difference. There's a difference in man. Adam knew right from wrong. He had a moral capacity. Romans 2, 14 and 15. Okay. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law. These, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. Thank you. If the law of God is written on the hearts of fallen man, man with a sin nature, how much more did Adam have the law of God written on his heart? He was made upright in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness. He had the law of God and he was able to fulfill it. Children, do you agree? Was Adam able to fulfill the law of God? I've got a no over here. <laughs> we got to get so here. That's right. We would say, we would confess in our confessions, our catechism, he was able. We just said in question 17, right? He was able to fulfill it. Does this mean that God was not in control? Could God have been surprised? Children, can God be surprised? Oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. No. No. We read in question 12 in previous weeks, right? What are the decrees of God? Part of that answer was, He hath for His own glory unchangeably foreordained whatsoever comes to pass in time, especially, or namely, concerning angels and men. So we have to hold these things together because the Bible does. God ordains and man chooses. Both are true. God is sovereign. Man is responsible. God foreordained the fall and yet we see that God made man upright. Mr. Ken was saying, Adam was able not to sin. Which is the first of four, the four states of man. As uh, Augustine wrote of, of as uh, Thomas Boston wrote of. I don't have the Latin phrases, I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> Adam was able not to sin. Uh, man, before the fall, 
Adam was able not to sin. Man after the fall is not able not to sin. He can only sin. You look at texts like Genesis 6. Um, man after regeneration, a believer, is able to sin and able not to sin. He's able to do good. And man in glory will not be able to sin. He will only do good. He will only want to do good. But Adam in his state, again, had the ability to fulfill God's law. Next phrase in our question answer is God made man with dominion over the creatures. Genesis 1.26 again. Actually, we haven't read this one yet. Genesis 1.26. Anybody have that one? We move into Psalm 8 after that. Fine print Bible over here. <laughs> then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Thank you. Over the fish, the birds, the livestock, over all the earth, over everything. Notice here more evidence that man is the crown. He's different. He is to have dominion over all these things. And we see in Genesis 2, Adam exercises this dominion right away. What does he do? He names, he uses his rational mind, his knowledge, and he names all the animals, right? So we should use our minds to study the animals to study all creation. We should do science. We should invent things. We should be industrious. Etc. Psalm 8, verse 6. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, could you keep going a little? Uh, I think it's to verse 7. Okay. All and also Dominion over everything in creation we see. Yes, the creation is a stewardship given to us. And we should rightly care for it. But we clearly see from Scripture that man was made to have dominion over all that's in creation. And this dominion mandate continues. 
some might say that dominion, the dominion order ceased after the fall. We're talking about creation, right? Pre-fall, Adam in Genesis 1. But how about Genesis 9, 1 and 2? After the fall, after the flood, God recommissions Noah and his family. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Dominion mandate continues. How about James 3.7? Somebody have that the dominion mandate is good and it continues. And finally, we'll come to the last phrase of this question and answer. 17. After God had made all other creatures, he created man, male and female, formed the body of the man of the dust of the ground and the woman of the rib of man, endued them with living, reasonable and immortal souls made them after his own image in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, having the law of God written in their hearts and power to fulfill it and dominion over the creatures. Here we go. Yet subject to fall. Subject to fall, similar to what we saw with the angels last week. Man was subject to fall. So hopefully we've seen how man is the pinnacle of creation. And yet, we know that he did fall. He failed. He sinned. So back to that verse in Ecclesiastes 7.29. God made man upright, but... There's the but. But they have sought out many schemes. Genesis 3.6 and Romans 5.12. Okay. Should I read it? Genesis 3 6 first. I'll get that one. So when, when a woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. You see, man, fall, sin. All right, Romans 5.12. Therefore, death is through one man, sin, entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sin. Sin came into the world through one man. Notice, the headship principle. Responsibility is on Adam. God made man upright, but man fell. 
Dr. Piper of Greenville Seminary suggests that God did not grant to Adam like he grants to us his church perseverance. Right? Praise God for the Holy Spirit for his keeping us, preserving us so that we may not fall out of the Father's hand. Right? Adam fell and we'll talk about this in later questions uh, but some of these attributes of man were lost. Namely, the knowledge, righteousness, and holiness that was perfect before. Adam's moral capacity, like we said, his ability to live in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, to obey the law of God, this was lost with the fall. But praise God that he sent his son to redeem and to restore that which was lost. Colossians 3, 9 and 10. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. God is renewing us who are united to Christ in knowledge. Renewing who is being renewed in knowledge. Our new self. God is restoring us to the image of God. We see the language here. After the image of its creator. Our new self is being restored to reflect the character of God. Let's hold fast to Him by faith and look forward to the day when we'll be in that glorious state that even Adam and Eve didn't enjoy. A state in which we will no longer desire to sin. We will only live for that knowledge, righteousness, and holiness in the face of our God. Alright, any questions about this one? Come on, I feel more ready for this one. You talk about dominion. In, uh, like, should we be, you know, with, like walking not even farther anymore? Wearing, you know, wearing recycled clothing, you know, like. Yeah, I think that would that would be an example of the extreme uh, if we chose not to have cars anymore. And or or to dovetail off of what Chad says, we have to live in an agrarian society. Right. Uh, we're going to be Amish or whatever. Um, <laughs> and you got the beard. <laughs> yeah, so the Dominion Mandate, we would say, includes being industrious, using the resources of the earth, uh, but being diligent, being smart, uh, recycling. I've learned from you to recycle. Yeah, it's a both end. Much of what we see in Scripture, right, is a both end. Maybe a helpful way to phrase it is that we should use and take dominion over the creation 
we should also, as we're using and taking dominion over the creation, uh, be doing so, maintaining and showing that maintenance of the value that God has given it and the beauty that God has given it, and also not abusing it. Right? So use it, but don't abuse it. Yeah. Right? And have dominion over it, but not abuse the creation. Uh, you know, so, you know, if there's overuse in one area of the creation or one part of the creation, for example, let it replenish, you know, in some ways. Maybe it would be an example of that, right? <coughs> not driving it to extinction just because we can. Mm-hmm. And we even see that sort of principle in the scripture, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. Let the ran- let the land rest. So, that's very good. Even the Proverbs that discusses the dumping that carries for And throughout all this, these creation ordinances, we see it from us before. Man at the head, and then the rest of the creation. It's important to know that, whether it be gender or it be animals, because uh, the godless in, in our societies, particularly in the Western world, they don't have this problem in the undeveloped world because they're more concerned about evil. So in our, in our uh, over-excessive societies, they hold animals to a higher level. How many times do you see a TV ad where But we have to understand that in the chronological order of importance uh, with the extreme animal rights, mm-hmm. they disrupt the order of creation. Mm-hmm. They disrupt the meaning. No, we matter. We have souls. Right. We've been in charge as as Will just taught us that we are over the land, over the land. And the greatest environmentalists and the greatest animal rights folks I've ever known are West Texas ranchers. Um, yes, some of the game. Yeah. They have no interest in torturing and harming their animals. Mm-hmm. Um, they have no interest in torturing the land and uh, raping the land. They have a vested interest in crops. They have a vested interest in uh, taking care of the land. So, um, when you remove God's order of creation, you have a disruption of that problem. And again, we have it in the scripture, like the proverb that was mentioned. Right? The man cares for his beast. So, dominion and care. Both. I mean, if you've ever had to take care of sheep or goats, there are times when you just want to slaughter.
Right. Thank you all. Last chance. We'll close in prayer. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Indeed, what is man that you are mindful of him? Yet you have crowned us with glory and honor. Lord, you have fearfully and wonderfully made us. And us who are united to Christ by faith, you have promised to give all things. You who do not spare your own Son, but gave him up for us all. You will indeed give us all things that we need in this life. We praise you for your creation of man. We praise you that you are restoring us into your image. That we will one day be in your presence and not even have a desire to sin any longer. Oh, for that day, Lord, we, we long for that day. We pray that you would uh, grow us into the image of our Savior and use all of our trials here in order to accomplish that end. Thank you for this day. We pray that you would bless our time of worship, bless our pastor and his preaching of the Word of God, and uh, may your Spirit be among us, teaching us. We pray all this in the name of your Son, in Jesus' name. Amen. amen.